course. Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity just to just to sit at your feet this morning, God. I thank you, Father. Father, that you're faithful. Father, that our names are written on the palm of your hand. Father, that you know each one of us intimately. That you know what each one of us need. We're forever on your mind. Father, your word says that we are the apple of your eye. So, Father, we count it a privilege to be able to hear your word, be encouraged in our faith. So, Father, I do pray that our hearts and minds would be ready to receive. thank you for your goodness and we thank you that you bring hope and that it is your desire that the captives be set free in Jesus name amen
Some melodious song, 
Father, we thank you for that truth. God, that you would make a way, Lord. No matter what we may be faced with today, no matter what our circumstances are, God, we know you to be faithful. You are the faithful one. Thank you, Father, that your word reminds us that if we seek you with our whole heart, God, that we will find you. We thank you, Father, that your love endures forever. And that your will is that none shall perish. Thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. And I pray, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would yield the areas of our hearts and lives, God, that, Lord, that you bring conviction to. God, that we would continue to grow and to mature to allow your word to take root in our heart, that we truly would be people who bear good fruit, who live lives that honor you. And we thank you, Father, again, Lord, that you will make a way where there seems to be no way, God, that you would Move in a way, God, that, Lord, that we would finally see breakthrough in each of our lives. So we draw close to you and walk in obedience, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 20. That's where we're heading this morning. Lesson 9 of walking through the Bible. Genesis chapter 20, and we're going to read through chapter 22, verse 24. Then we're heading to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 29. And then we're heading to Psalm 9, verses 1 through 12. And then we're ending in Proverbs 2, verses 16 through 22. We've got a lot to cover this morning. I pray that we would be encouraged in this. And as I've been praying and kind of meditating through um, these verses and preparing for today, I want to challenge us as, as we're listening today to really think about choice. The choices that you're making throughout your day. You're choosing either life or death. And your choices aren't just affecting you, but they're affecting others. Your choices, especially as believers, should be choices that are made based on His truth. Because we're followers of Christ. We're growing and we're maturing in our newfound life in Christ because we've been born again. But choices. And we need wisdom in order to make the right choice. Wisdom can only be found in God. His truth. And as we've been studying through Proverbs, we're hearing that. That wisdom is calling us. Wisdom is beckoning us to come its way. Not to continue to go our way. Well, we're going to see yet again the life of Abraham. We know him to be the father of faith. 
But yet we're going to see him again be faced with his own insecurities. And I want to challenge us as we go to open up in chapter 20. How are you when faced with your insecurities? Because that's the wrong time to make choices. That's the wrong time to, to start figuring things out. When you're fountain, when you're challenged and you're faced and you're oppressed with your insecurities. It's the wrong time. Because the decisions that you will make based out of your insecurities will be the wrong ones. And again, your choices and your decisions are just not affecting you, but they're affecting others around you. And so we open up this morning in chapter 20, and we read here in verse, starting in verse 1, Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, I want us to remember that line. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gur sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. Abraham, a foreigner in the land, is yet again dealing with his insecurities, his fear. He's making a decision that he feels will protect him, provide for him, and yet He's making the wrong decision. He sees himself as a what? Foreigner. He doesn't see himself as the man that God has purposed him to be and has declared over his life. Because do you remember, God has already spoken to Abraham. Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you and your descendants. Like, Abraham, I'm with you. And isn't that true for us today? God has already established us as his children. He's already promised us that he will care for us, that he would tend to us. That he will make a way. And yet, when our insecurities, when our doubts, when our identity is challenged, we lean back on our old ways. We see ourselves for what we're not. We see ourselves for how we were. And it provokes fear, anxiety, stress, you name it. So we start making decisions, thinking that they're right decisions. Abraham, for all that he knew, he was doing what was right to protect himself and his family and his possessions and even what God had promised him. And we've got to be careful of that, you all. We must be careful. Because those decisions, 
based out of the flesh. We already know because we've heard it over and over and over here. There's nothing good that comes from the flesh. The flesh only knows how to die. die. It only knows the ways of destruction. It seems right in the moment. And we've all been there. We're all guilty of it. None of us is, are perfect. None of us are, are, are truly, you know, wholesome, if you would. We've all been there where we've made mistakes. We've all been there where we've made choices because we're pressed in on every side. We don't see a way out, so this must be the way. Oh, but God, give us the strength and the ability to be able to stand and wait upon Him. To wait upon Him. To truly see ourselves for who we are. We are His inheritance. That's why it's vital that you know God and you know your identity in Him. Because if you lose your identity of who you are in Christ, you will try to find your identity elsewhere. Abraham lost sight of his identity in this moment. In this moment. Verse 3. But that night God came to Abimelech in a dream. And told him, you are a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. God. Speaking to a godless king. Abimelech was not a God-fearing man. His kingdom was not a God-fearing kingdom. They were godless. And yet God speaks clearly to him. In his dreams. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you're, you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. And why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you. For he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. God, you all. His mercy is being displayed to a godless king. His mercy has been displayed to us in our season of rebellion. His mercy. His mercy. And isn't it interesting that God describes the identity of Abraham to the godless king? He is a prophet. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all of his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. <laughs> Interesting again, his obedience. He's godless, you all. He doesn't come to God. He doesn't come to worship God. He remains a godless king. But yet when God speaks, he quickly gets up 
and obeys. Interesting. As it is in the generations from this time to our time and the times to come, godless people, God will always step in and intervene. God will reveal himself to all mankind. Mankind can choose either to believe that he is God and receive the free gift of salvation and yield to him, or they can choose to remain godless and refuse to obey him. Remember the road. The path to destruction is wide. The road unto, unto God, unto righteousness, is narrow. God revealed himself to Abimelech, and God knew Abimelech's heart would never turn to God. But God had already purposed a plan for Abraham and Sarah, and no man could hinder it. So God spoke, and Abimelech obeyed. He feared God, but did not turn to God. Huh. When he told them what had happened, his men, look at this, were terrified. So now his men are even terrified of God. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. What have you done to us, he demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? Abraham, your choice in lying to me has affected me, but not just me, but my kingdom will suffer because of this. And you think your choices don't affect others? Abimelech and his kingdom, they were going to suffer because Abraham chose to react out of his insecurities instead of trusting God to keep him in that land and protect him and to provide for him. No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to do such a thing? Abraham replied, I thought, this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father, but different mothers. And I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell the people I, that I am your brother. Isn't it interesting that he added on to God's calling? That was not God's plan. That was Abraham's plan. He knew God called him, but he added on to God's calling. As Christians, we need to be careful of that. God has called us but we like to add on to it. And we got to be careful of that. See, we're called to a life of trust and obedience unto the Lord. And that's what we're growing to. That's what we're maturing to. But we must remember 
We must remember Abraham recognized this to be a godless place. But if God called him to go from place to place to place, God would keep him. Amen. It wasn't up to Abraham to add to what God's calling was. <clears throat> then <clears throat> Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats, cattle, male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife Sarah to him. Then Abimelech said, look, over my land and choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, look, I'm giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver. In the presence of all these witnesses, this is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me and your reputation is cleared. Mm -hmm. wow. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife, Sarah. Choices, you all. God is faithful. As you read through chapter 21, God is faithful to what God has promised. He's faithful to his word. The Lord kept his word, it says in verse 1, and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. Underline that, highlight that. God is faithful and God will bring about what he has promised in his timing, not yours. In his timing. His right time and not yours. And Abraham named the son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. God is faithful. God is faithful, you all. But as we head into our next portion of reading, let us remember what we birth in the flesh will always wage war against what God's purpose and plan for our lives is. What God wants to birth through us, the items and those relationships that you have birthed in the flesh will always go against it. So we must do what is needed to get rid of those things. If you keep them around, you will remain confused. Your growth and your maturity in Christ will, be, will, will become um, hindered. You would stop growing. You would cease to, to continue to strive to seek after the Lord. Because what does the flesh know to do but to destroy? You see, it's the enemy that comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy but Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And it's Jesus that says, you can't serve two masters. You're either for me or you're against me. So what you're clinging to that you birth in the flesh 
you better let it go and cling to Christ. And we must do it immediately when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not the pressures of man, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Those areas in your heart and in your lives where the Holy Spirit says, it's time. And you say, well, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit when you begin to wrestle? When you begin to say, oh, surely God's not asking me. Well, but if, and you start doubting, you start questioning, you start wondering, you start, oh, that's the time to let it go quickly. Trust God. He's the author, the perfecter, the finisher of the faith and life that he has called you to. Be quick to get rid of your Ishmael's. What will God, how would they, God will take care. God will take care of those who are your Ishmael's. Mm -hmm. If it's a relational issue mm -hmm. that you're struggling mm -hmm. with, letting go of. If God has called you from them and from it, then leave it. When Isaac grew up and was about to be winged, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael. <laughs> Ishmael was still living, and Hagar was still living with Abraham and Sarah. Isaac, this huge celebration being prepared for Isaac. And Sarah sees Ishmael. The son of Abraham and his Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. You think that which you birth in the flesh is going to accept that of the new creation in your life? It won't. It will taunt you. It will make fun of you. It will not understand what God wants to do in and through your life. It's there to hinder your growth. It's there to lead you down that wide road of destruction. Get rid of those Ishmaels. Sarah saw, she discerned, we have a problem in the camp. <laughs> So she turned to Abraham and demanded. She didn't ask. In a well, if you could, way, a timid way. No, she demanded. Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. Wow. Oh, how we need to be like Sarah in our lives when dealing with the flesh. To have the boldness, the confidence, And what we know to be true. See, God didn't work in Sarah's life at her age and produce a son in her life. An incredible miracle 
for Hagar and Ishmael to partake of what God had planned and promised to do. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. God will take care of your Ishmael's, but you gotta set them free and hold on to his promise. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food in a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. She's wandering again. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself, about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. Wow, she's desperate. She recognizes that at this point, there's no hope for her or her son. She can't bear to watch him die. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. Ishmael was cared for. But just as it was in that day, so it is in our day and the generations to come. That Ishmael and his descendants will always wage war with Isaac and the descendants of Isaac. They will always wage war against that and those in whom God has promised. Careful again. That's in the natural that it's still going on. Careful in the spirit realm of the Ishmaels that you birth. Be mindful of them for they do not want to see the promises that God has for your life fulfilled. They will always attempt to wage war against it. You've got to be bold 
you got to be determined, as Sarah was, to get rid of them and trust God with them. About this time, Abimelech came with Pekul, his commanding, his army commander, to visit Abraham. Remember Abimelech? Abimelech? Years have passed. Abraham has been living in the, in the part of the land of Abimelech's kingdom that Abimelech gave to him. Abimelech shows up again to Abraham and listen to what Abimelech, this godless king, says. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do. Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Wow. How the tables have turned. God is moving among Abraham. The reputation of God is being made known. Do you realize when Abimelech comes, he doesn't promote Abraham. He promotes the God of Abraham. God is obviously working and with you, helping you in everything you do. Swear to me, not by your name, Abraham, but by God's, your God. And I was challenged as I was reading that because that's something as I've always studied uh, the Old Testament that these other nations who were godless knew of the Israel's God. They feared the God of Israel and yet they chose not to come to him. Here's the God of Abraham Abimelech sees God is with him. God is moving among him. And yet, he fears God, but does not turn to God. It's crazy to think this. But the reality is, is how do others see God in your life? As Christians, How we live for God will impact others. Will impact others. They will either be drawn to him or they will continue to resist him. Even if they might even have a respect for him in your life. But how others respond is not up to us. What's up to us is how we live for our God. How we honor our God. How we allow God and His character be revealed through our lives. Think about that. How you live for Him, others will see Him. Abimelech saw what God was doing in Abraham's life. And it's funny, again, he comes after basically acknowledging Abraham's God 
And then in acknowledging Abraham's God, he comes right back to Abraham and says, you are a foreigner. And notice, as we read, Abraham at this time is not intimidated. Remember where we read in the beginning? Abraham saw himself as a foreigner, so he reacted in his fears and in, in his insecurities and in him being intimidated. This time, when he's reminded, you are a foreigner, he doesn't react as he did before. For it says here, Abraham replies, yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. This is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech, Abimelech answered. I have no idea who's responsible. You have never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of the sheep, goats, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Abimelech, Abimelech asked, Why have you set these seven apart from the others? Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because that was where they had sworn the oath. And Abimelech knew so much of Abraham's God that if Abraham swore by God's name, then it's done. Abraham would not turn from this treaty, from this oath. Abimelech knew as much that if Abraham would swear by his God's name, then it is settled. And Abraham, by doing so, by swearing by his God's name, by presenting these gifts, he says, because that was where they had sworn the oath, after making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Pichal, the commander of his army, and they turned home to the land of Philistines. And I forgot to mention, I find it interesting who Abimelech brought with him. His commander of his army. Talking about trying to intimidate Abraham. Abraham, we know you're God, but you, you're just a foreigner. You're a nobody, but there's something about your God that we know. So swear by him that you will live at peace with us. Interesting how the enemy works in our lives. The enemy doesn't mind you going to church. The enemy doesn't mind your little prayer here and there. In your lukewarm life, start living it. Start trusting in God. Start maturing. Start growing. And watch how he responds. That's why the Bible says, after you've done all you know to do, stand. Stand. For it's God who will protect you, who will keep you, who will provide for you. It is God who has called you out as his own. It is God who has sealed you into the day of redemption. 
It is God who has given you his Holy Spirit to teach you his ways, to comfort you, to guide you. It is God who says, if you walk habitually in my spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Know who you are in Christ. Because the enemy will love to come and intimidate you. And he may even bring a commander with him. He may surround you in on all sides to intimidate you. But you must remain alert. And you must know your God. Abraham knew his God. Abraham was not intimidated now. For God has done something great in Abraham's life. And God's name was being made famous throughout the lands of what he was doing in and through Abraham. Then Abraham planted a terrorist tree at Beersheba, and he there, and then there he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Palestine country for a long time. Again, we see him worship. Again, we see him worshiping his God. And I love how that chapter ended. He lived there as a foreigner for a long time. For a long time. Living there, worshiping his God, trusting in his God, believing in his God, watching God provide for him and his descendants. Watching God, trusting God, living in a place that others saw him as a foreigner. But he wasn't, he wasn't trying to adapt to the culture around him. He lived out who he was, you all. And what a lesson that we can learn. And we don't have to adapt to our culture no, let's just live it out before them so that they can see our God. Not our lives, but our God. Chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Wow. There's a difference between tempting and testing. God does not tempt. But God does test. Just when you think you're strong in faith. God says, let's really see what's in your heart. Let's really see how obedient you are. And it's in those times of testing is when our faith matures. Listen, if you're struggling with maturing in your Christian walk, you're struggling with obedience to what God is calling you to. As you obey, so you mature. As you obey, so you mature. And as you obey, so the test will come. It's the only way that you will mature. Don't settle for being, remaining in disobedience to God. God is not pleased with our disobedience. <laughs> 
He knows what is needed in each of our lives to get us to where we're going. Remember, he's the one who prepared good works for us to do. Way before we were even born, he's already purposed you and he's already planned for your life good works for you to do for his kingdom. We have to trust him and obey. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. Wow. Abraham. Take your son, your one and only son, Isaac, the promised child. Take him sacrifice him, Abraham. How? I can't even imagine. But I love the fact that the next sentence we read, the next morning Abraham got up early. He obeyed you all. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I want you to hear this next line. Do you know why Abraham obeyed? He trusted God. God, you're not a God who goes against your word. I know this much of you, God. So if you're asking me to lay Isaac down, I'll obey. And his obedience, in his obedience, you see his faith being displayed in his God. Listen. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I <clears throat> will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. He's going to sacrifice Isaac. I don't know how God is going to keep his word. Abraham must be thinking. But I do know my God. He is faithful to his word. So either he will provide an offering to be sacrificed, Or he'll raise Isaac up 
once I sacrifice him. Either way, what I know is that my boy and I will be back. God help us to grow and to mature in our faith in God. Isaac was promised by God that through Isaac, descendants would begin to grow. God will accomplish what he has purposed for Abraham's life. And Abraham believed you all. Mm -hmm. So Abraham, interesting, look at this line, highlight it, underline it, look at this. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Does that remind you of anyone else that carried wood? This is foreshadowing you all. Jesus. This is God. Through this act of obedience, this is God revealing the Messiah is coming. Notice how description, your one and only son, mm-hmm. Isaac. Notice John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He placed the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. I love this portrayal of Isaac's trust in Abraham. It was his father. He trusted in the God of whom Abraham spoke of. Does our kids trust the God in whom we speak of? should. Notice the boy, Isaac, didn't go, wait a minute. I'm not going a step further. (laughs) This doesn't make sense to me. No, and he drops the wood and he, he runs off. No, he stayed with his father. It's interesting, he questioned. It's interesting as he's walking up the mountain, he's like, um, we have the wood, we have the knife and the rope, we don't have the sheep. Where's the offering? God will provide. And they both walked on together. 
When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. you ask. I can't even imagine what it must have been for Abraham to have followed all the way through with this. To look down on his son and lay him tied up on the altar. In verse 10, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Isaac is laying there trusting his father and trusting in the God in whom his father serves. Abraham is raising the knife trusting in the God in whom he serves. At that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Huh. I tear up every time I read this, man. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me. <coughs> <coughs> Even your own son. Your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the, the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. Obedience, you all. Remember choice? The choices you make not only affect your lives, but the lives of others. So when you choose to obey, it's just not a blessing for you. It's so much more than your, about your you. It's all about others. Because remember in the beginning when we read about Abraham and God blessing him, he told him, I'm basically doing this, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing to others. And here again, we're seeing God remind Abraham, 
this is what I'm going to do, not only through you, but your descendants and their descendants. And the earth, the nations of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed. Because you obeyed. See, your disobedience is costly. It's affecting you and it's affecting others. Could you imagine if we truly would be people who obeyed our God? Could you imagine what your life will look like? Could you imagine what the lives of others around you will look like if we truly just obeyed God? Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. Soon after this, Abraham heard of Milcah, his brothers, and his brothers Nahor's wife had borne Nahor eight sons. And then you can read the final verses of those names that I'm not going to butcher of the children that were born. But Abraham's obedience, you all, foreshadows our Lord and our Savior's death on the cross. That God willingly gave up His one and only Son as that perfect sacrifice for you, for me. Jesus, you are. Jesus. And we see in the life of Jesus, he obeyed. He came to do the will of the Father. Remember, the cross was purposed even before the earth was formed. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't a shock to God. See, God's plan has already been laid out. It's been established. This incredible love story, you all. We see, we see it all through Genesis till the end. God is looking for a people that he will call his own. And in return, they will call him their God. Not just by word of mouth, but by living it out. He is my God in whom I serve and whom I live for. You are a foreigner. This earth is not your home. So don't grow accustomed to the ways of the world and to the lives of unbelievers. Maybe to live differently before you are purposed for such a time as this. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus' words. Matthew 7, verse 15. We're going to read through verse 29. Jesus' words. We need to remain attentive to to this portion of scripture because this is Jesus' words, you all. The enemy comes, as we said earlier, and as we know to be true, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus comes to give us life and life and abundance. And so when we know that Jesus is speaking, we ought to perk up and pay attention because he's laying out some truth here. Jesus knows that not everyone who calls upon him really is following him. 
Jesus is revealing the issues of the heart to those who listen to his words. You're either his follower or you're not. There's no in-between. There's no one foot in, one foot out. No, you're either obeying or you're not. Jesus begins and says, and, and again, this is after the teaching of the narrow gate, that path of destruction, the path of righteousness, that narrow, not many are going to follow him. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but really are vicious wolves. Careful. Not everything that looks good is good. Not everybody who looks godly is godly. They look good on the outside. They have the right words to pray. They have the right scriptures to say at the moment. They have the right encouragement for you in the hour. But all along, they're a vicious wolf. Leading you not unto Christ but giving you a way to self. Giving you a way that allows you to remain lukewarm. Careful! There will be these false prophets who are going to come. They look like sheep. They'll be among you. Careful! They're vicious wolves. And thank God he just doesn't stop there. Thank God that that's not where his teaching stops because we all would be wondering, who's the wolf? Or where are the wolves? We wouldn't know how to distinguish. But he gives you the understanding of how to distinguish. <clears throat> you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad fruit, I mean, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Watch them. Look at their lives. Watch their actions. You'll tell them apart. Oh, they look right, but they're vicious. Vicious wolves. They'll tear you apart. They will destroy you. Careful of the company that you keep. Careful of those that you allow to influence your life. They may look right. They may look moral. They may be good people. Careful of who you allow to influence you. They may pray seven hours, seven days a week. <laughs> they may know scripture from back to front, but watch their actions. Because if they don't line up with his truth, Jesus calls them wolves. Listen, whenever you see the gospel presented to you that gives you the right to yourself, run from it. That is.
is not the gospel. We've got to stop making excuses for the way that we're living, you all. We've got to stop making excuses for the sin that is so easily that so easily entangles us. Because the Bible says to throw it off. See, there is, there is freedom in Christ or there isn't. Jesus himself. This was a teaching before the cross. But he knew what he was coming to do. For it had already been established. And now it just has to come about. He knew the cross was set before him. He knew that after his resurrection, that the church was going to be birthed. And in the birthing of the church, false prophets are going to rise up. Because wherever God is bringing about his promises, there's always the enemy, there's always the Ishmaels coming against it. But the gates of hell cannot prevail. The church of Christ, we're not to be weak-willed people. We should know our God. We should, our faith, we should be determined in our faith. And bold in our faith. To stand in our generation. To promote the goodness of our God. The love of our God. To serve and to love others. To, to humble ourselves. Careful of the wolves that promote only themselves. If it's all about self, it's not about God. Careful. You'll know them by their fruits. Watch their lives. Watch their actions. They can say to you that they're good, but can bad fruit grow on a good tree? And can good fruit grow on a bad tree? Watch them. Careful. Careful who's influencing you. Always have an excuse for their sin. Always tempting and doing. Not living righteously unto God. Careful. Remember, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branch. Abide in me. Remain in me. Because how does a Christian bear good fruit? By doing that. Abide in me. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're sitting here today and you know you have some bad fruit up in you, repent. Turn to God. Don't start beating yourself up and making it about yourself. That's condemnation. That's shame. That's good. You, you pull away from God because you're making your own sin about you. Your life is not about you. In Christ, your life is about Him. You're growing. You're maturing. You trip. Get up. Remind the devil whom you belong to. Keep going. The righteous man falleth seven times, but he gets back up. You keep going forward. You keep moving forward. You keep going after God. Because remember, it's Him who begun this in you, not you. In and of yourself, you would not be sitting here this morning. In and of yourself, you wouldn't even be looking for Jesus or talking about Jesus. No, the reason why is because God Himself is pleased to reveal Himself through Jesus to you. Amen. He longs for you to be with Him. There's nothing that can compare to his love for you. 
but he is establishing an understanding. He goes on and says, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. This picture again of destruction. Nothing good will come from bad fruit. No matter how sweet it may taste. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. By their actions. So then he goes right in to talk about his true disciples. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is a strong passage of scripture, but it's one you must read and it's one you must sit at and kind of meditate on because here Jesus himself is saying, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord is entering into my kingdom. They think they know me. They show up for church. They give, they serve, they do, they speak, they post. And they even call me Lord. But I don't know them. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Underline, highlight that, get that before your eyes this week. But isn't everyone going to heaven? Don't we love to promise that to everyone? We do. Truth is, we water down the gospel. We present Jesus to be this weird hippie type guy. Everyone's going to heaven. We're all just going to sing Kumbaya. We're going to feel glory. We're going to float around. It's going to be lovely. When's the last time you had a discussion with someone that presented Jesus for truly who he is? The Son of God. That he took your sin upon himself. He endured the wrath of God for you. But the Bible says that he is storing up his wrath and it's going to hit this earth because of sin. Sin and death have already been defeated through Jesus. He is the conquering king. He's the victorious one. And yet we want to present him to people as, oh, he's okay with you. He loves you. Remain in your sin. Attach your lifestyle to his name. It is okay. Don't worry. What? You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You've put on what looks like to be righteousness and holiness 
and yet you're declaring a message that is not right, that is leading people to hell. Because we don't want to offend anybody. Jesus himself, you all, was hated, rejected, and despised. Please, we got to stop twisting him and making him something he's not. We just got to start living for him. We recognize not everybody is coming to him, but we have to be diligent. And determined every single day to proclaim the reality of truth of who he is. If Jesus himself says, not everyone who calls on me is going in. Don't you think that as his followers, as his church, as his bride, as his people, that we ought to take that serious? Oh, come on, Jesus, stop being so serious. (laughs) No, no, he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Those who do the will of my Father, those who obey me. Oh, come on. Christian life is too hard to live. This culture doesn't understand Christian. Surely God didn't expect us to live righteously in this generation. Because doesn't he adapt his his rules and his laws to each generation? What kind of craziness is that? Oh, come on, we got to grow. We got to mature. We got to allow God to expand. What? That's not what Jesus says. Those who will enter into my kingdom will be those who do the will of my Father. Obedience. And again, don't sit here and go, oh, but I'm not perfect. You're only looking at yourself. Yes, you're not perfect. Yes, your old nature is sinful and rebellious. Yes, it will always turn from Jesus and go its way. But that's if you choose to abide in your flesh. Do you truly believe he's Lord? Do you truly believe that he has accomplished what he has purposed? Do you truly believe he went to the cross and rose up on the third day? That he's ascended into heaven? That he is seated at the right hand of the Father? That he has poured out his Holy Spirit? That he has empowered his church to live a God-fearing life in a world that is so against him? Then live like that. Grow in that. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the issues of your heart. But in knowing it, he doesn't allow you to remain there. His power, his grace, all transforming power changes us into new creations. So that our lives testify of his glorious power. And you hear Christians nowadays trying to deny it, trying to strip him of his power. God help us. Jesus himself says, On judgment day, many will say to me, 
Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. There they are again. Lord, Lord, we used your name and look at what we did. But my reply, I never knew you. They used his name. They called him Lord. And he says, I never knew you. We weren't intimate. I don't have a relationship with you. You don't have a relationship with me. I don't know you. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, get away from me. You who break God's laws. You who are a worker of iniquity. You who are so sinful. Remaining in your rebellious ways, living for yourself, and denying my power. Denying everything that I accomplished and did. And you think you're getting in? No, 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 no. I don't know you. Get away from me. Depart from me. You're going to reap your reward, but it's not going to be my kingdom. You will reap an eternal hell. Because that was your choice. Remember choice? Mm -hmm. Careful what you're choosing. Careful what you're choosing. Because you're going to reap what you sow to. What you give yourself to. Jesus' words... There's no way around it. There's no way to spin it. I know people would like to try to. I know people, preachers and Christians would like to say, oh, there's no hell. God's not sending anyone to hell. God's just all lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey. <laughs> but do you hear that? These are Jesus' words. Jesus' teaching. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house. Look at this hope. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Those who not only listen to his teachings but the key is to follow it remember the, in the book of James it says we're not only to be hearers of the word we're to be doers of the word Jesus himself is laying out this understanding if you do if you listen and follow if you do the will of the father your life will be built upon a foundation that is so secure because the foundation is Christ. And notice how what he describes. He didn't describe something pleasant and pleasing. 
He says, no. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world, so live as such. The winds are going to rise up against you. The floodwaters are going to rise up. The rains are going just to pour down at times and seasons of your life. But trust in me. Trust the foundation in which you have been established on. You've been grounded on and grounded in. Trust in me. And you will be wise. And your life will not crumble. It's that picture of wholeness. It's that picture of security. <clears throat> wow. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds house, a house on a sand. On sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat up against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Wow. So if you're just listening to my words and you're not following my words, basically you are a fool. You have no wisdom. You're going to go your way. And life is going to beat you down. And that's how sad for you. Because your choice is, is as life is beating you down, you don't have the security of Christ. You have no hope in Christ. All you have is destruction awaiting you. God help us. And listen to how these people were described that were listening to Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings for he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of the religious law just because they were amazed does not mean that they believed there's a lot of people who are amazed at Jesus's teachings but they're not Jesus' life, you all, on this earth. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to point people to God. He knew that he came to reconcile man back to God through him willingly laying down his life in obedience. He overcame the enemy. He has defeated Satan. He has defeated sin and death. Do you hear that? So like Romans 6 says, what then shall we say? Shall we continue to sin? Shall we continue to go our way? No, for we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is not to be your master. It doesn't mean that you won't sin, but like in 1 John it says, but if you do, remember 
You have a great intercessor, Jesus. That's why the Bible says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Grow, mature, grow, mature, obey. Obey as the Holy Spirit is leading. There's an urgency in our hour, you all. In every day, in every generation, there's an urgency for the message of the gospel to go forth. Because people are dying, you all. Death is coming to everyone. But the Christian, we have the hope of the victory that's in Christ our Lord. He's already overcame death. He is the victorious one. He has made a way out. This Christian life that we're to be experiencing on this earth is to display his power. That's why we can testify and give testimony of what God has done in our lives. That's why when the word of God says that if you're a thief, stop stealing. If you're a liar, stop telling lies. If you're bound by perversion, stop giving in to it. Whatever it is, stop doing what you used to do and live now for Christ. Let people see that there's a change. That's why the Bible says, how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And if we change the way we think, our choices will be different. And we can have the hope, we can have the certainty that we will not be like the ones who will say, Lord, Lord. And him saying to us, depart from me. No, we can have the certainty that we can have the hope, as the Bible says, we can be those who are secured in him until the day of redemption when he calls us home. We can be secure in the fact that we will be the ones that he will see on that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Wow. Wow. You can have that hope. But it's only found in Christ. It's not found in your works. It's not found in you trying to be good or trying to live right. No, it's you recognizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. It's recognizing that you bow your knee low to the ground and you humble yourself before the living God and say, God, I receive the free gift of salvation that you have made through your son Jesus. That he is your one and only Son, he is the Messiah. And you rise from that place of humility and receiving this free gift. And you rise and you begin to trust in him. Yes, Lord. My life is no longer my own. For no greater love can be displayed except for one to lay down their life for their friend. And as you did for me, I do for you willingly, not forced. In and of myself, I'm no good. But in you, oh, thank you, God, for the freedom that I don't have to be enslaved to my past any longer, that I don't have to be bound by sin any longer. That, God, there's hope to live. Not just waiting to get on the other side, but here and now today, there is hope to live in this moment, in this second, in this hour, all because of Jesus, you all. Wow. Go to Psalm. 
I mean, chapter 9, Psalm 9. Praise God. Verses 1 through 12. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast appearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. No, I'm reading the I'm reading Psalm 12. I'm like, wow, that doesn't sound familiar. But we may have to go to Psalm 12. There's a reason we read. Alright, so here we go. Psalm 9. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the more marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor. For your throne, you, From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities you've uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord, I love this, is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Look at verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges, avenges murderer cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. This is our God, you all. This is how great he is. Know your God, you all. Draw close to him. The word of God says, and he will draw close to you. Seek him and you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. This is the God, the creator, the one who spoke and the earth was formed. The one who fashioned you and formed you and placed you in your mother's womb. This is the one who has prepared good works for you to do. This is the one who is chasing after you. Day after day after day after day, revealing his love to you in order to draw you to himself and into obedience unto him, to live for him, you all. Because you are the vessel that he has purposed to use to make his name known. And his works famous. <clears throat> you. You. He has begun a good work in you. If you have surrendered your life to him, not holding a form, but truly have surrendered your life to him, not being perfect, <laughs> but surrendered your life to him, Learning to obey. Like Isaac. 
God provided the sacrifice. Isaac did not have to endure the sacrifice. He didn't have to endure his father's hand destroying him. The sacrifice was provided. You do not have to endure God's wrath because the sacrifice was provided. And his name is Jesus. He endured it so that you could live. Like he willingly gave his life up, you all, so that you could live for eternity with God, your Father. Go to Proverbs chapter 2. Verse 16 through 22. And that's why it's vital, you all, to stay in fellowship. That's why it's vital, you all, that you're growing in the Word and your knowledge of God. Remember, if you don't see your Christian life maturing, it's because you're not obeying. And if you're not obeying, then you better get your heart before God and go, God, help me. In and of myself, I will remain here. But God, I know this is not what you would have for me to remain in rebellion towards you. I want to grow, God. Teach me to love you more. Give me a hunger for your word. God, you do this in me. See, when you make it about you, well, if I go to church, if I do this, if I, do, if I don't do this, and I don't do that, if I don't touch this, I don't touch it, if I don't watch that, no, you can't, that's not the Christian life. Now, eventually, as you're growing, as you're maturing, yes, wisdom will lead you. No, I don't partake of that anymore. And it's not a struggle, you know? I just don't do that anymore. I know where that leads. I know where that goes to. I don't desire that. No, I, I'm not going to react this way anymore. Because I know how hurtful that is. No, I'm not going this way. No, I don't have to do this. No, I, I know there's, there's a different way to live. And if I do touch, if I do taste, if I do go, God, bring conviction on my heart. Quickly, that I can respond and go, nope, that's not where I belong. Help me to be one that, that restores relationships quickly. That honors you. Help me to love others, even if they're unloving to me. Help me to serve them. Help me not to be about me, myself, and I. Especially in my relationship with you. Don't, I don't want to make you a taskmaster. That is all the lists and commandments and they're all just ruling heavily on me. Because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So if I'm living under all of that, then I know that that's not you. See, you have to know your God. Because if you don't know him, you'll, the enemy will come in and confuse you on how you're just supposed to be living as a Christian. And then you'll portray that to everyone else. And you'll be that vicious wolf. Careful. Know your God. Get to know him. Draw close to him. Abide in him. Remain in him. Trust in him and seek him for wisdom. Chapter 2, verse 16. 
Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. Follow the steps of good men instead and stay on the path of the righteous. For only the godly will live in the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted. Wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will keep you. Wisdom will give you what you need, the knowledge and the understanding to make the right choices. Careful, careful of the choices that you are making. It may look good. It may look right. It may taste good. But the road in which it's leading you is to destruction. To destruction. How then shall we live? Follow the steps of good men. Stay on the path of righteousness. For only the godly will live in the land. The Lord will deal with the wicked, you all. But as I have always shared with you, and I will continue to bring it back before us, why would we choose his wrath? over his love. Do you realize it's your choice? Has that, has that sunk in? It is your choice. You're either choosing his wrath or you're choosing his love. That's your only two options. There's no in between. He willingly laid his life down so that you could freely receive his salvation. There's a day of coming, you all, that his wrath is going to hit this earth. And men, women, are going to be held accountable for the rebellion. God help us not to be accounted among them. Just because you think you're good, you do good, doesn't mean you are good. You know your heart. It's all I can encourage all of us to do is as we close with this last song of worship, to really just settle your heart and ask God, what, how am I to respond to today? I don't want to be marked by those of rebellion. I want to be known for one who obeys. Teach me, O oh Lord. And if you've never really, really, truly accepted him as Lord and Savior, then allow today to be the day. I know we're all sitting here and there. We've all said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But I just don't want to have just the name stamped on us if we're really not. Christian is one that obeys. 
that does the will of the Father. Don't make it about perfection. Don't make it about you. It's all about Him. Again, it's not about doing in your own strength. It's about what He has already accomplished that He will do in and through you if you would just obey. So allow this last song to be an encouragement to you, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Thank you. 